So I know that many times um, the adults are doing the crafts too. So as we get ready to make a galaxy, let's just open our hearts to God and say, God, when I consider the stars, the works of your fingers, the sun and the moon which you have appointed, what are human beings to you? What are your thoughts toward us today? May we have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to us individually and as a church. From your mouth, God, to our ear. Amen. Amen. Well, y'all can be seated. I, this morning, I got up at 3 o'clock in the morning um, because we were in retreat all week and we've been talking about shame. Can y'all say shame? Has anybody felt shame this in the last seven days? If you have, just go ahead and raise your hand. And if you're not raising your hand, you just aren't paying attention. Because you, you, you may have even been able to name shame in the last two hours. Who, who could name shame in the last two hours? Uh, maybe it was you, you know, that, were, uh, that I was driving next to and you were picking your nose. Um, and I saw that while you were driving. Could, you could, have been, could have been you. So, you know, but what I know is that there is a way that God wants us to deal with shame, my friends, and that is to connect with God, to connect with God. If we only connect with the do's and don'ts of our society, you know, in fact, if you go to Haiti, the way they blow their nose is they hold one nostril and just shoot it right out on the ground. And, and if you're not used to that, you might think it's rude. Um, I know in some parts of the world, they burp after they eat a meal, right? And that is considered a compliment to the cook. At my house, you, that wouldn't have been considered a compliment. Not to say it doesn't happen often, but it, it's true. And, and our reality is, is that when we realize that there's a difference bet- between embarrassment guilt and shame, we might open up to the God who has taken it all on our behalf. So let's think about this for a minute. We're looking at the great cloud of witnesses, and this is what the scripture says. As for us, we have these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we might let go of every wound that pierced us and the sin so easily fallen into. Then we will be able to run life's marathon, this race with passion and determination, for the path has been already marked out for us. You guys realize that, that there's been a path marked out for you individually that God intended, that you were made on purpose by God with purpose. And so this morning, I'm sitting in our prayer room, and I'm looking at the scripture, and all of a sudden, I look up at this table, and it's got my great cloud of witnesses. It dawned on me, like, these are the people, of course, Christ is center, but then there are the people like Perpetua and Felicity, who were female martyrs in the, in the beginning of the church that have impacted me deeply, or St. Clair of Assisi, who has impacted my life, or this beautiful icon that, that Ryan Livingston gave me of Jesus uh, in the wilderness praying, or um, there, there's a picture there 
of a bunch of us at Julie Blossom's wedding and uh, of, of my dear cloud of witnesses. And I, I just want to say to you, you have a cloud of witnesses from ancient times and present times. And these are the people who speak purpose into you. They speak destiny into you. They say you were made by God on purpose. And, you know, I, and then I kind of looked up to the right, and there was my son Paul's picture looking down at me, like perfectly placed. And I thought to myself, my cloud of witnesses is reminding me of who I really am. Friends, you have a cloud of witnesses that will speak life into you. And there are people who will speak shame into you. And they're not the same group. So there is this cloud of witnesses, and we want to let them speak life into us. Can you guys say amen? And can we all open up to let the Holy Spirit do what only the Holy Spirit can do? Like, I'm a flawed human standing here holding the words of Scripture, so don't count on me, but count on the God in me who might say something to us all. So shameless Bible reading. Let's say it. Shameless Bible reading. Yeah, like there needs to be some shameless Bible reading. I read an article this week from, uh, from Henry Cloud and John Townsend. You guys familiar with them, the Boundaries guys? They write, guilt and shame are good for me. The subtitle is, Christian Beliefs That Can Drive You Crazy. And I've attached this article to our Facebook page, and I'll be sending it out in our Uh, in our newsletter, because friends, there are things that we have allowed in our lives, not because we meant to, but because there was a vector. There was somebody that brought their shame into your life, and the way they read the Bible was shamed. So all of a sudden, we felt shamed. And so, you know, what we have to understand is people have reactivity. And if I'm a shame-filled person, and I'm going to teach you the Bible, my reactivity is going to shame you. I know you've never seen that anywhere in your life, right? But here's our reality. We want shameless Bible reading. Can you say it? Shameless Bible reading. Yeah, we do. We want to read the Bible and hear our connection to the heart of God. Not here's what you didn't do. Here's what you should do. Here's what your people did. Here's what you are. Your story names you. We No, 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 no. We want shameless Bible reading. We want to hear when we read Scripture, here's the invitation. Carol. Here's the invitation, Ed. Here's the invitation, Arshan. Here's the invitation, right? This is how we want to read scripture, is that there is a belovedness in us that when we are connected to the voice behind the scripture, we will not let the evil one define us. Because the evil one has one job and one job only, to make you think you can't fulfill your purpose to make you feel shamed and not enough to be the person God has made you to be in the world. This is the work of the evil one, to block you from feeling your belovedness. Whenever you have felt ashamed, friends, that is not the voice of God. Can I just tell you that? So embarrassed, it's just silly situations, like maybe you passed gas in the grocery store, and then you realize someone was walking behind you that you knew right? Come on, these are human things. Go ahead. It's true. And maybe you were picking your nose when somebody saw you and drove by. Or maybe you were the person that sent a hand signal to Scott at the fountain that one time before they realized it was their pastor. 
And so, you know, embarrassing things happen. Can we all say embarrassing stuff happens? Yes, it does. It's just human. We just, it's just human. Then there's guilt. I did something wrong, and I want to or must ask forgiveness and make amends when possible. Like, okay, I felt a little, you know, like, you know, I, I, I took that thing that I wasn't supposed to take, and I, I feel that conviction, and I'm going to let God lead me to repentance. And it just says, I did something wrong or bad. Can you all say you did one of those things this week? Maybe there was something wrong you did that you wanted to ask someone to forgive you or to make amends with someone, right? But shame says you are bad. Shame says you are flawed. You are wrong. You are not enough. Shame says, why did you do that dumb thing, or you get called out in a classroom and a teacher embarrasses you, or, or someone in your family says something that you feel like you are bad. You are bad. See, friends, I, I don't believe in original sin. I believe in original blessing. Blessing was the origin, not sin. See, God made us from the beginning. We were made to be blessed and beloved. We've been dealing with sin all our lives since our parents, Adam and Eve, and they passed it down through the DNA. And God is good and you're beloved. So who's in your cloud? I want to ask you guys, whose pictures are in your cloud? Whether it's your literal cloud where you put it up on, you know, in the cloud, you save, you know, notes in the cloud, you save pictures in the cloud. Who's in your cloud? Or who is your great cloud of witnesses that when you feel your best, it's almost like, oh my gosh, that felt like the way my grandpa used to do it. Or wow, that, oh my gosh, I felt like I just said that one thing that my teacher just said, and it's real in me now. You know, that when you have a picture up on your wall, you don't have Judas' picture up on your wall, do you? No, the people in your cloud are the people who tell you you're beloved. The people whose pictures you should have up in your cloud and on your walls are the ones that affirm the grace of God in you. The ones that, oh my gosh, you just feel like the grace of God is chasing you down when you see that picture. It's like, that person loves me. That person believes in the God in me and that we're co-creators according to God's plan. Who is a witness to your inherent greatness, friends? Hang out with those people. I know, Arshawn, you told me about your grandma when we were sitting on my deck. Were you thinking of her right now? Yeah, so you told me on the deck that night, yep, that's, that's, your, that's your girl. You didn't say that's your girl, but that's how I'm interpreting it. But the things she's spoken over you, right, that you, you know who you are in God because of what your grandma said to you. Those are the people on, we want on our walls. Do you have someone's pick who shames you up on your wall? No, no, no. And if you do, it might be time to pull it down for a little while. Scott and I had to go through that. We, we had to do some picture cleaning at our house just because it was triggering a reactivity of shame in us. And so we thought, you know what? It's not good for our soul. We're not saying they're bad. We're just saying that the shame we feel from them is bad. And we don't want to be shamed. So I want to ask, who first taught you the scriptures? Who first started to read the Bible to you? Was it a shaming voice 
or a loving voice. See, one of the reasons that I love that Sarah, when she teaches the kids, does she ooze love or what? Like any child that's ever around her knows they're beloved. She does not do shame. She, won't, she is not a rule person at all. She is an intuit person. And so there are particular ways that even we taught children in our younger days with Bible verses that we had to repent of later. Right, sweetheart? Uh-huh. Yeah, like reading Fox's Book of Martyrs as a bedtime story for young children. Right, right, right. And so what we realize is, is there are ways that we can open to love, and there are ways that constrict us from love. And you can think about it. Is it from your family of origin that you were taught? And do you feel open to love, or do you feel shamed? It's a really good question. Do you feel like the way you learned the Scripture opened you to your belovedness or made you feel like you weren't following the rules well enough? What, what is it? I remember, I hate to point you out, but it happens to me when I look at people. I remember, and both Ian and Carol Edwards are in the room today, so when Ian's locker was a mess and he couldn't find his homework when you were his biology teacher, you didn't shame him. You went and dug through his locker with him to help him find his homework. That's a teacher that doesn't teach shame, but teaches an openness. Like, Ian, I know you're brilliant. I just know your locker's a mess. Have you ever felt that way where somebody made you feel like you were a mess because of the way that you were just as a human? Because there's human stuff that's embarrassing. You can't come in my bathroom at my house. Right? There are very few people allowed in that room in our house. It would be embarrassing. And then you might shame me, but Scott can come in, and he's the neatest person you've ever met. He never shames me. He never tells me what a slob I am, and I know I am. So when someone puts shame on you, it is not the image of God. You know what I'm saying? Like, be around those people who just see you. See Scripture in the cloud of shame. You know, it says in in Genesis 2.25, they were naked and not ashamed. Can you all say naked and not ashamed? Why didn't it say naked and happy? Or naked and frolicking? Or naked and... No, it says naked and not ashamed because what was about to happen was shame was about to enter the story. And when you were a little kid and you ran around in the buck... Think about little kids the way they run around in the buck. I mean, they just are running around there as happy. They are happy, but, but what's deeper than that is they're not ashamed. They're not ashamed. They're not trying to be something they're not yet. It'll happen in a minute. They're going to need their own fig leaves, right? So I love Isaiah 25. I read this at my dad's funeral. But God will destroy death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away every tear from every face. And God will take away the shame of his people from the earth. And I just love that. That's the prophetic word for what was going to happen in the book of Hebrews, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, Jesus who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. 
And then, okay, we start with the pre-fall condition of no shame and nakedness, and we get to Jesus on the cross, naked and not ashamed of you. Jesus willing to go through that, not with a loincloth, let's just be clear, naked and not ashamed, taking on the sin because he was tired of us fig leafing it all, trying to cover up what we feel is insufficient and wrong and bad and hear that, no, you're beloved, I'll do anything for you. I'll do anything for you. And then in Revelation For the lamb at the center of the throne continuously shepherds them into life, guiding them to the everlasting fountains of the water of life. And God will wipe every tear from our eyes. All the shame. All the shame. There was a song that was sung at our son's funeral. It was, no more night, no more shame. No more tears, never crying again. And praises to the great I am. We will live in the light of the risen love. And there will be no night, no shame, no more tears because of our God. When I think about the way that I react when I feel shamed, I can sometimes shame other people. In fact, you want to kind of get a warning system for this, everybody. You guys remember the, the robot on Lost in Space? Who's old enough? Say it with me. What do you say? Warning, warning, warning. And, and this, what's that? <laughs> and, and so this warning, when we are shamed, we need to stop and let Will Robinson's robot say, warning, 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 don't react and shame someone else. Here's what happens. This is what happens in the world. Like somebody feels ashamed of what they've done, then they preach about it and make you all feel like the worst of human beings in the world. And then later you find out they were doing the dirty deed the whole time. Right? Is it true? Come on. We know this is true in history. And so when you hear the voice of shame from somebody, don't listen to them anymore. Someone will say, do you listen to so-and-so? Have you read so-and-so? I say, no, not because they're bad, but because I feel shamed when I listen to that. I'm not saying they're bad. I'm saying that I don't want to react to their shame and then become a vector for more shame because it's kind of like COVID. It'll spread. It is an invisible enemy. It is the work of the evil one. Shame is what this evil one has been doing since the book of Genesis, my friends. And it is exactly what Jesus was up to on the cross, taking it, taking it, taking it, all our sin, all our shame. So just wonder about yourself. When you feel ashamed, do you actually, um, you know, say, I'm bad instead of beloved? I'm stupid or I have the mind of Christ. Someone else needs to tell me what the Bible means or I'm connected to God with the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you what to think or how I'm open to God. See, shame from so-and-so, fill in the blank. I know you probably all have a shamer in your mind right now that you have felt shame from. A teacher, 
a family member, somebody out there in the stratosphere, in your religious system, wherever it's been. So shame from blank. Is that what you're listening to, or are you listening to your greater cloud of witnesses? It's time we start listening to the witnesses that witness to our belovedness, that witness to the fact that you are beloved of God. Amen? Amen. In the cloud, we can. We can share pictures and words and memories. Get those up in the stratosphere and on your walls. In the cloud, we can search for new insights, and those can become memories, like find vectors that speak belovedness to you, people that actually pour out the presence of God on you. Relationships can shame or heal, my friends. We are healed by connection. It's the same thing that shamed us, but it's what we need to heal. So whenever I have this shame thing go on, okay, I I do this deal. I say when I'm triggered by shame, I take a breath and go, warning, warning, warning. And then I say to myself, don't conflate. Don't try to combine and get in with them and make them like you. Don't inflate. All right, then you are a... And don't deflate. I'm a nobody. But I want to say, I am God's beloved. I'm not going to conflate. I'm not going to deflate. I'm not going to inflate. I'm not going to be a vector for shame. That's, I got to tell myself that because I have opportunities almost every minute. But certainly every day. I am God's beloved. Friends, you are God's beloved. When triggered, when triggered, remember and stand with me. When you're triggered, remember that in the beginning was relationship. Not original sin. In the beginning was relationship. Can you go to the Trinity for me, um, please? Thank you. So when we look at this icon of the Trinity, just watch how they lean into each other. That there is this connection. We are healed from shame by connection with people who can see us and bless us and say we are beloved. We emulate God, God the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, embodying the male and female as they created us in God's own image. We are beloved. So I just want you to close your eyes for a minute. And maybe you can allow um, first the person who shamed you. And yeah, you can play, Don. Feel free. The person who shamed you um, to come up in your consciousness. Don't keep them there for long. Don't try to choose the most. Just, just the one that pops in your head. And then say, they're not bad. But I did feel shame. What they did was bad, and I felt shame. And just see if you can then set them aside for a minute and let them go talk to Jesus. Let Jesus handle that. And then bring right here into your mind the person who has been in your cloud that helps you connect with the purpose of your life or to the cloud of witnesses. That when you read the Bible, you hear the voice of love and not the voice of rules. You hear your belovedness and not your guilt.
Just bring the people. There might even be a whole cloud of people coming right now. They may be from your family, maybe from your small group, maybe from your, your, uh, your work. Hopefully, many of them are right here. I certainly felt Sean's teaching us belovedness last week. I, I feel beloved in my brother's presence. Bring those people right here. Just go ahead. Let the collection begin. And if there's only one, it's okay. But let people who see you for you as beloved of God just come right here, this whole cloud of witnesses that say you have a purpose and you have the God who will help you live your purpose. Come on, breathe it in and remember what they have spoken to you when they spoke the word of faith to you. And let's create a new little happy set of neurons that are going to wire together so that more often you're remembering your belovedness than what you've done that was embarrassing or guilty. Take in a deep breath and remember how you feel in the presence of people who make you feel beloved. Take them in. Sometimes it's a little child, like a little kid is the one who can make you feel like you could do no wrong. And some of us even have pets that just think we're the best. And let the cloud of witnesses see God has created all creation declares the glory of God, the image of God. And when we're in a space or a place or with people that we feel beloved, we are connecting to the heart of God. Then we can read the Bible. Then we can share the scripture. Then we can connect with other people. For us, we have all these things, all these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Come unto me, all ye that labor, and I will give.
to run life's marathon race with passion and determination for the path has been already marked out before us. I come to you to break from my labor to find you in my rest Lay my cares before you gently speak to my heart. We look away from the natural realm and we focus our attention and expectation onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. Jesus has already taken all on him, and that you would be reminded and warned when shame shows up, and that you will stop and you'll breathe, and you won't inflate or deflate or conflate, but you'll stand firm in your belovedness. And God, I bless my friends in the name of the one who loves us and gave himself up for us. Have a shameless week, everybody. Love you all. God bless you.